0: Welcome to SoulCraft Interviews, where we chat with people from all walks of life that are writing their own story. Today, we're in for a treat. My guest is Anthony Allen, a.k.a. The Ant-Man. Anthony has had a storied country radio career spanning 25 years, working his way up from the broom closet to the main DJ in a top 20 market. And the Ant-Man is no one-trick pony either. The latest chapter in his story now includes professional photographer and podcast host, where he sits down with some of the big names in country music and beyond. But it's not your regular podcast format, so you'll have to listen in on what makes it different and why pictures can be such an important part of our story. So let's get to the chat and hear the Ant-Man's words of wisdom. Man, what an honor it is to have you on today, ant
1: it's an honor that you that you asked me. Thanks for, uh, for having me on SoulCraft today. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, man. And as you heard in the intro, Ant has got a really colorful story, and we'll get into some of those pieces. But we're going to start off a little differently today with him because, as some of you might not know, he just launched his own podcast called Picture This. And Anthony came up with a phenomenal idea for It's not even really a podcast. It's more like a Vcast because it doesn't do it justice on a podcast, although we're going to try today with him. He has, <laughs> we'll, we'll link to the the videos and stuff on, on his YouTube channel because what it is is he sits down with country music artists and soon to be more. He sat down with Justin Lynch, Chase Rice, and Granger Smith and, and more to come and has them bring some personal pictures and share the stories behind those pictures. It's not the Instagram feed that we often so so often see of celebrities and everything, but more the intimate moments, the funny stories, the behind the scenes, whatever the case may be, the hiccups, the challenges, and, and some very heartfelt moments as well along the way. And it gives you again, what we're all searching for, the deeper understanding of each other and more dimension to all of our stories that we all have. So today, Anthony was kind enough to send some of his own pictures, and we're going to flip that script and ask him about some of these pictures and what they mean to him. What we'll have to do is I'll kind of walk through and then he can give more color commentary because, again, this is mine is just on podcast version for right now but it'll give you an idea i think of of what he's trying to do and also maybe open a window into uh his story and some of the experiences he's had along his journey so with that anthony i'm gonna um i'm gonna kind of walk through these pictures and describe them a little bit and then you can fill in and then on top of that what they what they mean to you and why it's important. So the first one I'm looking at, it's uh, three dudes standing, you know, typical pose, your arms around each other. Tell us who's in it. And uh, I see some WrestleMania shirts. Yep. What's going on there?
1: I'm in the picture. I'm on the left. uh, And I grew up a, a giant wrestling fan. I don't remember the time that I started getting into it. I just remember always being a fan, and it was for me growing up in Oklahoma. It was never uh, initially; it was never the the big dogs, the WWF at the time. It was always the ones that were just around me. And I grew up in southern Oklahoma, so we we got we got feeds from uh, Dallas, and it was the uh, the world famous uh, Von Erich family uh, at, from the Sportatorium in uh, in downtown Dallas, and that's what I grew up watching. We'll quickly move to. Part of that and and some from Oklahoma City and Tulsa. I'm on the left in this picture. The guy on the far right is a guy named Dave Knudsen. Dave was over this part of a video game company. They're not around anymore, but they're called THQ. And they did all of the wrestling video games for WWE. The guy in the middle, a lot of people will know as a good old JR. Jim Ross. JR is from Oklahoma as well. I uh, I did radio for 23, 24 years while I was working there in Oklahoma City. I uh, was asked to go to a meeting because there was going to be a pay per view coming to town. The station was going to go present what kind of promotion we were going to do. They only knew one person, and anybody, at least anybody that would admit it, that was a big wrestling fan, said, Aunt, won't you come with us? Uh, Great. Had no idea who was going to be there. Sitting across the table from us was JR. And we gave our pitch of what kind of promotion we're going to do at the station and what have you. And I did the majority of the talking because I knew what we were talking about. And out of the three from the station that were there, I clearly knew way more than the other two. <laughs> the other two, I don't even know that really said anything, laughed, maybe talked about old Hulk Hogan stuff, or I don't know. They clearly weren't watching the product at the time. And, uh, kind of, he took notice and we got to talking afterwards. And he said, uh, something he had just moved back to Oklahoma from, um, from Stanford, Connecticut. And he said uh, he had been working on a video game and uh, he goes, it's crazy. They got me at some little Baptist church, just down the, down the road from my house. And they don't even have a headphone jack for me to plug into. They just record (laughs) me doing all these lines for the video game. And it's hard to even work there. And I said, I have a studio at my house. You're more than welcome to come over there and and do that. And he's like, well, you have a card? And I said, yeah. So I gave him a card and I'm like, I'm never going to hear anything. And to be honest, it was not not a studio at all. It was a, it was a, it's about half of what this is right now and those you can't see it's just I'm in my my home studio here, which I would call a studio now. I do real studio work here. Yeah. There, I did not. I did some voiceover work. I did some imaging stuff for radio stations and stuff like that, but that was about it. I got a call about three months later. Uh, some guy said uh, uh, from THQ said, Mr. Ross would like to use your studio for some voiceover work. I started freaking out inside. because I listened to the, he was on you at the time, not at the time we were doing this, but growing up, he was calling uh, wrestling for UWF and Mid-South Wrestling and stuff like that. And he really became the voice of my childhood watching wrestling. And I I'm, instantly I could recognize his voice anywhere, talking, whatever. Uh, I knew it was Jim Ross. It was cool just to meet him. And then to hear that he wants to come over and use the studio at the house. I'm like, I've got to get. I got to get my stuff together. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing here. I knew how to record stuff. By no means was I a video game voiceover recording studio whatsoever. And I said, uh, yeah, absolutely. And they said, well, um, we're going to send you an email. Just hit us back with uh, with your rates. Rates. <laughs> right. No don't what my rate would be. I said, absolutely, I'll do that. They told me what they were looking for. And uh, so I called around to other studios in town. And I was like, it's a video game company. And I know that they tend to pay a lot so I was like double or triple what any other play studio so it was like $25 everywhere else I think I was charging I don't know well maybe it's 50 everywhere else I was charging like 150 bucks an hour (laughs) and so they and they didn't even they were like okay cool
0: that means you undercharged, probably. Could have gotten even more, right? <laughs> they didn't bat have, an eye.
1: <laughs> to be honest. And it was great money for me at the time. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, when, when do you need it? And they're like, uh, well, we need different dates between this date and this date. It was over like three months. And they would always do three-hour sessions. And they would be like sometimes two days back to back. So it would be three-hour sessions in two days while he was in town. It wasn't away at either pay-per-view or Monday Night Raw. He came over the first time and driving around and he went to Sonic and got him a diet peach tea, came to my house and I'm sure he was thinking, what the hell did I get into? What is this? I'm just going over to somebody's house and he, he uh, he comes in and, uh, we sit down and we start talking. And I think in every session, including the first one, I got paid for three hours, but we would sit on the porch from time to time. He, he needed to smoke a cigarette. So we would sit on the porch from time to time for and it equaled about half of the three hours we were on the porch, him telling stories, and then the other half, him actually reading audio. And that's a picture from our, I think, probably our second or third video game that we, I think we did six total. So if you played any of the Smackdown versus Raw, I think that's all they were called. I'm pretty sure that's all they were called. But somewhere in the early 2000s, all that VO work from Jim Ross was out of my dinky little room in my
0: house wow that is that that is truly a story behind it no one would ever know from a video game audio i
1: know one time that he pulled up to the house but he i mean it was maybe the third time he'd been over but he walked up to the front door of the neighbor's house because he i mean he was really paying attention and they answered the door and he's like i think i'm at the wrong house i just wonder if they were like <laughs> was that is that Jim Ross? Is no, that good could, yeah, hard? it's like
0: one of those things. No, couldn't have been. Why would he be here randomly exactly. in our neighborhood?
1: Exactly. Why would he even <laughs> be here? And uh, or they didn't know it all and never put two and two together. But it was it was a fun time, and I we still text from time to time. I, I wouldn't say that. I'm hoping to get him on the picture of this podcast. That's uh, that's our goal. Oh, he'd be a good one this but, year. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't travel much out of uh, outside of Jacksonville, which is where he's with AEW Wrestling now, which is owned by Tony Khan and and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, sure, okay. And, yeah, uh, so he uh, uh, so he's close to you. Uh, yeah, but he, up the road. Yeah, just up the road, what, three hours, five hours?
0: <laughs> I'll show from the local studio if you need to. You know?
1: There you go. All right. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like somebody's talking about us here in Texas. Oh, it's just right up the road. Yeah, just yeah. seven and a half hours because that's how big the state is. Yeah. Right.
0: You're Texas. It's yeah, more than a day to drive across exactly. things. So. Exactly.
1: exactly. Uh,
0: moving on, the next one. And again, I, I will not do this one justice. This is such a cute picture. It is black and white. <laughs> yep. It is a young girl i'm guessing your oldest daughter holding a picture of her younger self
1: yep so the younger self photo is my oldest daughter who is 18 now uh getting ready to graduate high school uh, her mom took that photo just snapped it one day after she put her hair in pigtails and it's basically from her it, like she came up right to the camera and it's basically from just below her nose in that right I'm yep, not looking yep, at it yep, yet. Yep. Uh, it's just below her nose, but you can see her pigtails. It just looks like a cute little kid. Well, the picture of her holding the picture of herself is taken by her stepmom. And both—I mean, obviously, her mom's been her mom's. Her mom is very instrumental in her life, but it's been really, from a dad's point of view, unfortunately, in a uh, split family. That's always. Always a concern where your kids get along with their stepmom. Will the stepmom get along with, and we don't, she didn't even call her stepmom. She just calls her Ashley. You always wonder and you hope that they'll get along and things will be, be kosher, be good. And, and Ashley treats Hannah, my daughter, just like she was her kid. And my ex wife expects my wife now to treat her just like she's her kid. And it's, I just love that it, it, what you don't see in that photo is that both captured a really cool moment of her and they they both did it she goes i think it'd be cool now that i think in that picture hannah may have been 15 something like that 14 15 so okay. you know it's it, it'd been you know a good 10 11 years between the two photos but it's it's fun to see them there together she uh she still
0: kind of looks the same <laughs> that's she i mean it's it's so cute with both pictures of the well her holding her younger self with the pigtails and stuff yeah. is just really and and the black and white as a fellow photographer i think is perfect for that one because it encapsulates just the the simple innocence yeah. of her and that there's something about that it's just really just really neat I love and black it,
1: and photography too
0: yeah just absolutely yeah. yeah especially for something like that and what, yeah. what i'm gonna do is once this episode goes live, I'll post on the website and share these pictures yeah. if it's okay with you oh, so yeah, people absolutely. can can relate yeah. to what we're talking about. The next one, and we're roughly the same age, 40-year-old guys, yeah. going back to a bit faded one, probably taken on a Kodak, Polaroid, or similar. I'm shooting and take a wild guess, your mom or somebody with the uh, kind of 70s, eighties, uh big um, <laughs> collar, And is that you as the little dude? That's me as a
1: little dude. That's sitting on yeah, the chair, that'd be, couch. That'd yeah. be the transition of styles between the late seventies and early eighties. I would guess just, just by looking at it because it's wretched. I mean, <laughs> <Right. it's not laughs> I was, or, or retro, depending on how you look at it. I mean, yeah, that's my mom, uh, me and my mom. And I don't have a ton. I don't have personally have a ton of photos of me and my mom or me and my dad. And uh, that's one I'd, I came across. The other, I think other people have them. I just don't have them. So that was one that somebody I, th- I think one of my sisters shot over to me and love just because I was r- raised by a single mom. And so for, from second grade, all the way through high school, I mean, until I was 18, it was me and her, you know, we, uh, we moved from a small Southern town in, in Oklahoma to the big city of Oklahoma city. She, uh, she worked late every night to uh, make ends meet. I tried to stay out of trouble. That was just a, I thought a cool picture, probably a little before we left and moved to Oklahoma city in that photo, I guess, probably somewhere around four, four or five, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I left in second grade and we moved away and it was, just the two of us
0: for, for a long, 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 long time. And it looks like a cool memory because yeah, what you can't fake as a four or five year old, true happiness smiles. And you've got a, excuse me, a shit eating grin on your face. So you're having, <laughs> you're having a good time with your mom. It's really, really a precious picture right there.
1: We went through a lot together and uh, I still love her. I mean, obviously, she's my mom, but uh, I—it's you know we don't talk near enough, and that's my fault. I think that uh, it's cool to look back and, and see a photo like that, just like you said, of the smiles on our faces, and it kind of just exemplified how we went through the majority of my life. It was just the
0: two of us. Yeah. Credit to your mom. I admire the heck. I mean, as guys, we tend to think we're strong, and yeah. family providers, right, and you have the experience with a single mother, I mean, gosh, the depth of strength, I think, that it takes. Nothing What's like it? it. Nothing like it, yeah. Good Nothing. for her. Kudos to your mom. Moving on to the next one. Looks like your two daughters, I'm guessing, yeah. behind backstage, I, I see a Mustang choir jacket hanging up on the on the rack there. American flag looks like it's in a school. So And they're embracing a hug. It's really cute. The younger one is all four limbs hugged tight around sister.
1: I think that, uh, I think when Hannah, my oldest daughter, was growing up, she was a huge Hannah Montana fan. So there was nobody like Miley Cyrus until Miley Cyrus went off the rails. But <laughs> there's nobody like that for her. That was the person she looked up to. I don't think Grace is my youngest daughter. And I don't think anybody comes close to her sister as being the coolest person in the room, no matter where you are. She's always looking up to her and what I love is that she uh, my oldest daughter Hannah understands that I think she grasped that a little bit what's cool too is Hannah is a senior and Grace is in, in kindergarten and that's the same age difference I grew up with four sisters and uh, my youngest sister is the same age difference so it was the same thing. I was started kindergarten. She was graduating, and the same deal. Grace is in kindergarten, and Hannah's graduating, and uh, they've they've been super close, uh, which I was very very uh, excited about that they've they've developed their own relationship. And you know, Sissy is the coolest person in the world. And anytime that was just recently at my uh, my daughter Hannah's uh, final musical of her high school career she's going to be a, a theater major in a college and that's her final one from high school uh, just the other day and so little sis has a, a backstage pass i think everywhere so uh,
0: that's awesome her biggest fan as you say yeah, yeah just the the titan brace and you can tell it's 2021 because your oldest daughter's wearing everybody's a mask in masks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. right. everybody's in masks yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll look back and then, oh yeah we know exactly what year that was right <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a little
1: taste of what we do on the picture of this podcast, though, because we sit down with people who are a lot more interesting than I am. And we do that right there and they present their photos and let them tell the stories behind them. Because, you know, like it, it, it's a little kid and, uh, you know, like you said, 80s hair lady. Uh, that's just a picture of probably something from the early 80s and you move on, but not the story behind it.
0: Exactly. And, I, and that's why I think it's such a wonderful, cool idea, because our lives are of the stories that we create, and going back to the the picture thing, because for those of you that don't know, Ant is a very gifted photographer as well. So this guy oozes creativity from his radio career and um, photography skills and editing skills and all that. But let me ask you your take because you take these posed photographs, families, musicians, and they're gorgeous. Lighting's perfect. You spend time editing. And these pictures we just walked through, like you do with a lot of the guys and girls you have on your podcast, they're, these are iPhone and Polaroid pictures like the one you sent. But oftentimes, I find it's, it's interesting, the dichotomy of there's so much meaning behind these versus, yes, this is a gorgeous picture we're going to put over our fireplace, but it's a bit staged. And why we don't ever put these pictures up they don't look as pretty but they mean so much more right I, and, and I've right. heard your podcast so you hear these guys and I just listened to the one on with Granger Smith and some of those pictures not only touching and, and a bit heart-wrenching for me having kids as well as, as I won't give it away just go listen to it and or watch it on YouTube I should say um, because you really need to see especially the one picture where I'll just say it's with the tire we don't spend enough time, I feel like, appreciating those pictures more. And and what's your take on that as terms of that dichotomy? Because you're on both sides of it. You take those professionally, gorgeously lit photos versus something like this, where you can go on for 20 minutes saying, yeah, what a moment.
1: Yeah. I think they uh, they serve two different purposes. I think that, you know, the uh, what you're looking for when it's a well-lit photo, posed, really kind of strive for in the world today is for something to present to the public. It's not to create a memory. It's not even to grab a memory. It's just for presentation. It's it's to promote something, whether you're a celebrity or not. It's It's to promote... We're a family together. We're a family at this age. We're a uh, we're a, a singer or songwriter or an actor or an actress or whatever it may be, um, and you're not necessarily grabbing the story or the moment in time. You're just grabbing the individual and the presentation that they they want to display. The rest of it comes. In the behind the scenes, in the daily life, the stuff that seems mundane at the time, that's where the stories are built and made and grow cultivated and what have you, because it's fun to look back and see those. And it has nothing to do with the composition or the lighting or, you know, the pose, any of that that stuff. It just has to do with what you caught in time, Um, what we do for a profession. And photography is is completely separate from the memories captured. You know, you make those and just happen to capture. them. But, you know, what's fun is I think that even when you're setting up blue bonnet photo sessions or whatever, and that's a big thing here (laughs) in Kansas, Uh, you're doing uh, blue bonnet photos. It's the other stuff in between. And that's why I just like to leave my camera on. Even if I'm just shooting portraits, I shoot in high speed all the time. It's to be able just to go, oh my gosh, see if you grab that. There's been a few, you'll get 99 that are blurry out of focus. You'll never, you'll never use. And sometimes you'll grab one and go, oh, wow, that's cool. I caught that. You had the other, you were there shooting for something else, but you caught that
0: one. Moment. Caught that one. Yep. That, that moment yeah. in between. And yeah. you said something very telling there. You used the word promotion. Obviously, we think of promotion in terms of professional photography, ads, um, celebrities doing their thing. But you related it to us as just regular folks with our families. And I I think maybe some understanding in that, it, it opened my eyes. That's what we do it for. That puts the word to it. It's a promotion of, hey, we're a family. There's not a lot of meaning. We went to this, you know, down here in Florida, people do it all the time. They go to the beach and they get the white shirts and the khaki pants and, and exactly. the sunset and a gorgeous Feed sand, and it, yeah. what's that? Feet in the sand. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And it's a and it's the promotion of the family. And yeah. and that's what it's for. And it serves its purpose. And then catching those moments in between. And just I think recognizing that because people stress a lot. I, I know we have friends that stress over their yearly family portrait. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to stress (laughs) out of all the things going on. It's just a promotional piece is all it is. And I think take some of that pressure off of don't worry, don't stress. It's just a promotional piece. It doesn't capture the moments.
1: No. and, And I would also say that if if you don't already have a camera, you don't have to spend thousands on one. And you have your phone, so use your phone and take a ton of photos. If you would rather have a camera, get a camera, go to Sam's and get the the kit if you're really looking for a DSLR. And, hey, I have a quote-unquote professional camera. Go get one of those. Do it and just take photos. They don't have to be great photos. They don't have to be well-lit photos. Just capture those things. Now, here's the only thing. You're not going to be in them. Just, you know, there's, I, I, I said, I think I said this to Dustin El ours. My family looks fatherless because I'm the one who takes the photos. It's just a bunch of girls in, in photos. It's my, it's my wife. It's my daughters. It's, you know, it, that's all the photos are for the majority of the time. And uh, so be prepared, but you'll have those, you know, you'll uh, just, just take it and snap. Who cares if you, if you just end up with cards for hard drives, full of photos, what did that cost you?
0: Yeah, now nowadays it's it's not the Polaroid film. It's it costs you virtually nothing, you know.
1: I don't have it in here. I think I have it in the living room because I was working on it last night. But I actually I actually just bought this thing called a Polaroid lab. And you you can do everything you want with your phone. You take the photo, you can edit, do all the stuff, and then you lay your phone down on the top of it, and then you hit print and it puts out a Polaroid
0: photo. Photo
1: <laughs> of the photo that you took on your iPhone and meticulously edited.
0: Yes. That's awesome! I love it. I have to laugh because when you were talking about that on your pod on your Vcast, I'll say with was it Dustin Lynch or Chase Rice?
1: I think yeah, uh, about uh, being fatherless. The being fatherless. It was on Dustin's. Yeah,
0: yeah, Dustin's, and I was laughing because I'm the same way. I'm usually the one carrying around the camera, and it's like, hey, a single mom raising two boys, but it is. It's that I've had the good fortune, really, just luck because of that. Of capturing some of those in-between moments, the look that, and like you said, now it's so easy. Don't always wait for the perfect opportunity to stage yourself in front of the sunset. Just, just snap a bunch of pictures. Absolutely. Because you're going to capture a few that are just, you'll look back and say, wow, I have one of my oldest son when he was probably like four on a um, swing set or merry-go-round thing. I turned it into black and white, same type yeah. of thing. We were just at the park. I decided to take the camera and got this just one look of them. As we know, as parents or as friends, as family, you know that look. And when you get it and memorialize it in film, it's just really kind of neat and cool and, and a memory for sure.
1: And you don't have to, I mean, take them, you don't have to do anything with them now. Just look, you can look back on them later if you want to. I and mean, if you're like, well, if you feel the pressure or, or the, uh, the need, I've got to go through these, got to look through these, find the perfect Instagram photo. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. Just take them, just take the photos and have them so that when you have, feel like being nostalgic one day and want to go flip through some photos, you'll see something you grabbed. You didn't know you grabbed. That's sometimes that's the funnest thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. We're yeah. going to back it up. You, you've been in radio, radio for 25 years or so, you've had a radio career? Most of that, yeah. Yeah. Most of that, yeah, And you've done a lot of stuff, but a thing like radio, again, a lot of us, we have jobs. I look at being a radio personality as not a normal job that everybody has or does. So tell us how you came about as that being a big part of your story. How'd you get into that?
1: My dad was a country music singer so I uh, and not anybody that you would know um, uh, he, he toured over Southern Oklahoma, Northern Texas, Arkansas, I' say he toured here yeah, he played small uh, venues and he did, mainly did when I when I was growing up he would um, he would do things in very, very, very small towns where it would help raise money for something there, volunteer fire department, school band, where you don't get the funding that a lot of big places do, that's what he would do shows. It'd be country music shows where he'd sing his songs and other people's songs. And I grew up on country music that way. If you can go back to uh, not Hank Williams Jr., which is probably ancient to a lot of people, his dad, who uh, is Hank Williams Sr., my dad was kind of that era. That was his hero. That was, I would say emulated. He, he had his own style, but he, uh, uh, that if you had to put it in a category, it was that, that old, older country. Uh, so I was always around it and I even around radio stations and, uh, there was a station I was listening to when I was younger, uh, when I was probably junior in high school and I, they did a guest DJ spot on the weekend. Uh, I think it was on a Sunday night and you'd write in, yeah, you wouldn't email you didn't text them. You didn't drop, you know, slide into the DMs. You wrote a letter and you sent it <laughs> in and uh, tell them why you wanted to be a guest DJ. I did got a, uh, got a phone call. You put your phone number and there. got a phone call back and uh, they asked, come up. And, and so went up and guest DJ that night. Then I asked if they would, uh, if they ever had any openings whatsoever and they did. And it was the grunt work stuff that doesn't even, uh, I did work then. That, that doesn't even exist in radio anymore, what I was doing, which it was putting commercials onto these things that look like eight-track tapes. If you don't know what eight-track tapes are, just forget this part of the whole story. But <laughs> it was called—they're they're called carts, and they were either uh, 15, 30, or 60-second looped tape, and it was what commercials went on. So you'd take the commercial and put it on those that had the label. And so I was doing that. I was taking commercials, putting them on those, and they were ready to go in the control room. That's how I started. And that was, uh, I think it was a senior in high school when I started doing that. I, I got into it because I wanted to be, I'm a drummer and I wanted to meet artists so I could be swept away as their new drummer and go <laughs> off on tour and never come home. And the more and more I did radio, the more and more I fell in love with it, just stayed in it. And I, I worked my way up. There was a guy I used to listen to. His name was Todd Tucker. Uh, still around us conservative talk radio now. And he was the, the big guy. He was the guy, the most popular guy in town. This is before what they have now, which is called voice tracking before then he did um, afternoons on the country station. And then he would leave and go do nights on the top 40 station. So he did a full eight hours on the air four hours wow. the station. And, uh, but I was like, someday I'm going to do afternoons on The, the country station was called the twister in, in Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma city. And, uh, I worked my way up and I eventually became probably about five years after that, uh, became the afternoon guy and took, to, uh, there was, I was a couple people removed from Todd. Um, but I ended up in that position, stayed there for a while, ended up doing mornings there, got out of radio for a couple of years, worked at a book publishing company, but came right back to radio and, and, uh, started working my way up through the ranks again and, uh, had to leave Oklahoma city, went to, uh, Missouri, went to Wichita, Kansas, went to Nashville, Tennessee, the one before last was in Phoenix, Arizona. That's the biggest market that I've been in. And, uh, it was exciting to go there because it was, called a major market and uh, that is the top 15 markets market sizes in the nation and it was market 14 and so it's the biggest place i've been on the radio had a chance to uh, come to austin my wife is from austin program the two country stations here that's where i i've ended my radio career was here in austin so
0: a long ride,
1: a long ride, and yeah, ride. I mean it really was. It, it, but looking back, it feels like it was so short. I uh, I recently did an interview the other day. I don't even know it's out yet, but uh, they asked if I missed radio, and I, I put it that I missed I miss what radio used to be and what it used to be and what it is now are night and day. I mean, completely different. It's like uh, I don't even know what else to compare it to. Maybe if you went back and watched silent movies. And you watch CGI movies now. I feel like it's that big of a difference in some ways. Uh, I loved what it was when I got into it. It was so fun. And it was a very team oriented. It was, uh, there were a lot of people in a lot of positions. And when I left radio, I was personally doing six shows every day for six different radio stations. And it was cool that I got to do them all from right here at my house and my home studio. But it there was no community. There was no partnership. There's no uh, camaraderie or anything like that. It was just, it was run and gun. It was exactly what Instagram is. It's what I feel ra- radio has turned into. It's just, you don't like that, move on. Just keep swiping and maybe you'll stumble across something you like. But there's so much out there.
0: We're not unique either. We long for the nostalgia and every generation goes through it. I think to some degree is just like the old days. And now, uh, sadly, I have you know Spotify for on my phone. You turn it on to Bluetooth and you never have to turn on the local radio station. And I'm sure being in the industry, just that is a seismic shift.
1: Well, and I I love the position of radio uh, uh, higher ups and executives, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. And that is, you know, continue to prolong radio's death. I don't think (laughs) radio will ever go away. It'll continue to morph. It'll continue to be something else. But right now, I feel it is so far behind what people do it's just not the way people are anymore. And it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a weird, weird place in the next 10 years when it comes to
0: that profession. Yeah. As a lot of industries have, have died yeah. off with technology and yeah. could be the sure. next, but. And I think that's why it's so important. And you know, I don't know, this
1: is necessarily what we uh, thought about getting into on this, but I think it's why it's important in whatever profession you're in. It doesn't matter what it is. I do not have to, mine was just radio. For the last five or six years of radio, I found something else I wanted to do. I found something else that that gave me joy, that gave others joy, and that was shooting photos. And uh, when my young, but right before my youngest was born, I bought my first DSLR camera. I had always. Tried to kind of shoot, but never really dove into it. I would. I had a video camera. I'd like to do video stuff. I had, you know, a few point and shoots, and that was about it. But I really, I was like, okay, I you know, with with this kid, I'm going to document her life in photos that we may be the only people ever see them, and that's what it's about. Uh, But I want to learn to get good. I want to learn to. Capture stuff quickly, and I want to just document, it, and that's the reason I bought it. And I started getting a lot of joy out of it, so I started offering that to other people. Hey, you know, I'll take your photos, and it it grew and grew and grew, and um, it, that's that's something I look forward to doing more of as my profession was getting smaller and smaller and smaller in, in the pool of of, of talent and uh, of of people working in it. You know, and I think that it, what's sad is that. As radio changes, the people who are working in it that haven't found something else that they love doing um, are left struggling and wondering what's next, wondering what they're going to do, you know.
0: And and it's it's great interviewing a career interviewer. Because... (laughs)
1: I told you this, I may end up asking and you questions when we get into it. But.
0: And that's totally fine, Ant, because my next question was going to be the segue into photography and why yeah, you sure. did that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. I was like, yes, thumbs up. Yeah. We but, didn't plan that. Uh, but through that and, and the photography piece, and you, you touched on it with, with anybody, and, and I so pa- passionately believe in what you just said is have other interests. And it doesn't, have to be this big grandiose step all the time. Like you said, you started small, I'm just going to do it because I want to try to do it and I want to capture moments and then it morphed into something else. But you had different dimensions and you were willing to try things without knowing the outcome. So often we get Yeah, so often we get caught up in outcomes based stuff. Of life, What is this outcome without taking the time to say, I just want to enjoy the journey of capturing these moments, whether or not they're good, whether or not anybody else is going to see them for you, it's worked out. And I think for a lot of people, like you said, even professionally, a lot of careers is you don't know whether that career take, gosh, this last year, 2020 and into 2021, there's going to be careers changed forevermore. So you might be forced, don't be forced, do what you did and and go out and experience things. Because now that I think with technology and cameras and whatever it is, you can experience things at a small scale and see if it's something that you want to pursue further in whatever avenue.
1: Well, I think you said something very important is that we're looking for the, uh, rather than the fulfillment, we're looking for the outcome of it. And I think that that's what we do in so much of our life. And then we end up finding out that we're not happy with anything because we're always looking for some expected outcome. I, uh, I think that it's important to measure if you're trying to get to something, it's important to measure as you go along. If you're trying to lose weight, are you doing things and taking steps to lose weight? Uh, or are you just living the same life that you had before? Well, you're not really trying to lose weight. You just, you set it and you you go, okay, well, that's, I failed at that. Well, it failed because you didn't work towards it. You didn't do anything towards it. But if you're, if you are, uh, sometimes you get to a goal that you didn't know you wanted just by doing, do, and being active. I mean, I, I think that there's, there's something to be said for I don't remember the saying, but having idle hands is like the devil's playground. Cause then he, he steers you into something else. You know, if you're not doing anything, you end up doing stuff you don't want to do. Right. Well, go start doing, do what is it you're interested in? Do that because that might not be the million dollar idea, but it might lead to the million dollar idea, but you would have never got to it. If you hadn't started doing this other thing, you know, sometimes just when you get into it and you start actively pursuing something that just brings you joy. And, and serves others as well, you'll find a lot of reward in that, that you didn't even know you were going to have.
0: What you said there was the doing, just get into the doing, focus on the, the why it, some things need to be measured. Absolutely. I've, I've had businesses, we've put measurements in place and I've done the weight loss stuff and training stuff. And you've done a lot of that, just the the doing and then the serendipity almost happens. And I think we too often hold ourselves back because we worry about all these other little ancillary pieces and tell ourselves that's the important part of it. When we jump in and figure it out and be honest, I'm not, I don't have 25 years in radio. I'm, I'm into photography. I've done some video editing for, personal videos of family and stuff. So I've learned that piece of it a bit where I could start a podcast. I've done web editing and all that. So I was able to cobble the pieces together. And I told myself for a long time, "Ah, who's going to listen? And I don't know. I don't check. (laughs) I I don't measure right now. I I don't check on who is listening because I just want to do. I want to create these experiences. And I found joy. Just our conversation today is, the joy in it is having this conversation that I would have never had had I not started this. I would have never probably talked to you, good chance, without doing this and being out seeking it and saying, hey, I'm learning right as we're talking from all of this. And and that's just it, like you said, the doing. So you've done that a lot throughout the course of the your career you've sent in a letter to start into radio (laughs) yeah you went and bought the camera and said i'm going to take pictures sounds like you've you've set aside fear because that's a lot of what we have is fear of of doing but what are you fearful of and how do you overcome those those challenges when you face your big fears um
1: yeah, I haven't been, you know, I haven't let fear hold me back in the things that I've wanted to do. And I've, it's very easy to compare, especially when you're starting off. Hey, my stuff doesn't look like this person's stuff. My stuff doesn't sound like this person's stuff. Whatever it is, is always, and that is the quickest way to kill a dream is to start comparing your stuff. Don't compare, learn, learn how to get better. Don't learn how to be someone else though because you're never going to find Mm -hmm. your style. Um, but what am I afraid of? I I think it's for me, it's probably, probably it's, it's bigger than, than the current it's, it's bigger than, um, than what I'm currently, you know, diving into. It's not, it's not about not having a podcast next week. And it it is that that's not fair. We'll we'll take off a week and we took off a week because of the, Uh, the ice storm that uh, plagued Texas, uh, just because it didn't have power. So I couldn't edit. And so I was like, hey, we're just going to push this all back a week. If I don't have one after I have uh, Granger Smith, uh, his just pop. And uh, next week is his wife's. After that, I don't know who the next guest is. I'm working, I'm doing, but uh, if it doesn't, if there's not one the next Tuesday, I'm not fearful of things like that. I don't want to get super duper deep on, on some things. I'll, I'll just say this. I think for me is the end end goal. When I'm done here, did I do what I was supposed to do while I was here? That's the only thing that I really think that I'm, uh, I'm afraid of. I mean, you can, you can go from losing your job to going, I don't know if I'm going to have, you know, enough to pay the bills or to put the food on the table or to keep the house or things like that. Those thoughts and those fears run through my mind But I try and I try to take those thoughts captive and and push those aside because I'm doing I'm doing I'm I'm not laying on the couch and eating potato chips and taking naps all day. If I was doing that, I'd have a reason to fear. I'm not. So I don't fear in those things. I think that, you know, I think God rewards those who, uh, yes, there's some people who can't who can't do. And I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about if you are if you are capable, if you're physically and mentally capable and you are active and doing and doing well and, and doing it for the right reasons, I think you get rewarded for those. But I think my fear at the end is like, did in every instance, did I do what I was supposed to do? Uh, you know, will I hear at the end? Well done.
0: That's what I'm looking for. Once again, thanks for the lead in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what your questions are. So it's, it's kind of-
0: I know honestly he, he does it. So full disclosure He's, he just has an intuitive sense from being on radio, I think, for, for so long. But it, you kind of encapsulated it there. But what, what does your story mean to you then? What is my story? I don't think that,
1: I don't know. I don't know what my story means. I think. You, uh, what would you
0: like it to, what would? You, let me phrase it a different way for you. Like you said, when it's all said and done did I do the right things at the right time? Your daughters. Yeah. What do you want your story to mean to them?
1: I grew up with my mom, but my dad and she is my hero, but she's not a male. She's (laughs) there's just some things about guys that you're like, you just, my dad was my hero and biologically. He wasn't even my father, but he's, the man who raised me. And he's the one who taught me to hold the door open for women. He's the one who drank half a cup of coffee every morning. He drank half a cup because it stayed hotter longer. I drank a half a cup because he did. And I thought that's just what you did. He was, he, it, there's a lot of things that he, I'm not even sure that he knew that he taught me that I still do to this day. And he's been gone for almost 10 years. And so I hope that, you know, for my daughters, that things that I teach them, the good things that I've te- taught them stick with them long past me, that they are ones that they, uh, they instill into their kids or do they have uh, a personal relationship with Christ? Uh, when I say personal, they are in a quiet time talking and relying on him to speak to them. Um, because I, that's the, how I've got through everything. And that's it, that would be nothing without that. This would be pointless if, if, if I didn't have that, because I think that that, and I, we talked about this just before we went on, you're asking me the questions, which is way different for me. I'm the one <laughs> usually asking the questions. So you know, some voicing some of these are not the first time, but they're not the norm. For me, I think that that's what is the ultimate, is that, that they are... Um, known by how they love, not by whether they're red or blue, whether they're uh, Democrat or Republican, whether they're male or female, whether they're white, black, orange, green, whatever, is that did they love others? That's what I hope for myself. And I hope that I pass along to them as well, because I, I believe that that's what we're called to do just as humans in general. Regardless of your faith, I think this is what we're made for—is just to love others.
0: And I think that's not only advice for your daughters, but a great advice for all of us. And and I and I appreciate you opening up for the rest of us here because it's always good to hear it from another perspective. This has been a fantastic and fun interview. I switching the tables on this guy a little bit. He's been so gracious. <laughs> I go back to I want to end with just reinforcing, go watch his. You, you need to watch them. You can listen to him as I have, but I've gone back and watched the actual videos because see connecting those those pictures on the picture of this podcast. The funny thing, what Ant didn't mention is before we talked, uh, before we went on air it was actually last week when we were touching base to get ready for this podcast, talking about doing and creating opportunities. You had mentioned on your show that you started with the guys you knew sort of in your Rolodex on your phone that you could call up, but yep. it's already created the opportunities to have other conversations with people you would have never guessed.
1: Yep. Right. Yep. Very much yep. so. This one right here. I mean, I, you know, I like to know where, how you found out about it or how, you know, and I would love, I loved hearing that story from you that your son is a big Granger fan and uh, there was, I guess the promo had been out already for it, for Granger being on, I think. And that's how you, you discovered the picture of this podcast, just going through the Granger stuff on YouTube,
0: right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: And, yeah. you, but you, you did though, you took a chance, you wrote, I mean, I write people every day to be on. It doesn't mean that they're going to respond and the majority don't. And uh, you wrote and didn't know if you'd get something back and, and you did. And here we are talking. So you, because you stepped out, we had the opportunity to have this conversation. Well, I this appreciate
0: morning. Yeah. And I appreciate you, you stepping out as well and us us meeting here and hopefully we'll continue cool. this relationship and stuff. But yeah, I hope so too. So this has been Great. And thanks again. I'm going to put when the show goes live, obviously all the links to his podcast. Again, the picture, this, um, go watch it, go listen to it. And thanks again. Have a wonderful day now that Texas has warmed up again and opened up again. Good luck to you down there (laughs) and we'll talk again soon, man. Go take a shower. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Have a great day. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to the Ant-Man as much as I did. What a cool story he has already written, and he continues to add chapters. If you want to watch more of Anthony's Picture This episodes, I'll include a link in the description as well on the Soulcraft Tribe website, which is where I'll also post the pictures of Anthony that he was talking about earlier in this episode. As always, thanks for tuning in, and if you liked the episode, I'd appreciate a like, comment, rating, and if you want to forward it along to your friends, that's always welcome too. Thanks for tuning in, Tribe, and until next time, have a great week.